Okay, we continue to study the Word of God together. It's a privilege. I love that we get to do this. If you want to open your Bibles, we're in Colossians. We're working our way through this letter from Paul, and it's an amazing and wonderful letter. And We're starting chapter 3 today, and, and I was... Okay, I'm going to confess up front. I was very optimistic when I started to say we were going to do verses 1 to 17 today. So um, I'm not going to keep you here for three hours, I promise. Um, We probably won't make it all the way through, so we may have to pick up next week, but that's okay. The the main piece, because this all kind of goes together, this chapter 3, 1 to 17. This idea of what's changed for you as a Christian. You're going to say what's changed Change is important, and when we come to Christ, something has changed. And and I think if you'll see through this lens, my goal for you today is you'll correctly identify what has changed for you. Because once you do that, then the rest of your life and your activities start to go in the right way. But for many of us growing up and the different Christian teachings we've had, we actually um, put the wrong emphasis on what's changed. And so we have expectations that maybe are not quite accurate. It's part of this gospel. We are a special church. Um, not because we're better than anybody else, but because we are sold out to the gospel. I love the gospel. The gospel is good news from a far country. It's an announcement. It's nothing you do. You, you know, to be saved, I put my trust in Jesus and all that he's done. But what can sneak in if you're with me in this and we get excited about this and you read the Bible and it's about this, that there can come in these pieces where you start going, oh, there's a little uncertainty you're going to buy in because am I hearing that I do nothing? Am I hearing this idea that Jesus does it all so that I do nothing? What? And, and in a sense, yeah, you do nothing. Message from a far country, Jesus has done it all. But in a very real sense, there are things you do. If that's true, that Jesus has done it all for you. If you believe that that's true. It changes the lenses, it changes the reality that as you look out at your world, as you live your life, if you believe that, there are things you do. And, and so sometimes where people just, well, I've got to balance a little bit. I'll balance the Jesus did it all with I've got to do, and we'll mix them all together. And when you do that, you get a mush. Coffee with, well, I can't even say it, bad things. So instead, what I hope you and I see from the Bible is that it is absolutely true and foundational, this change that has happened. And because of the change, there are things that you can do. And I want to show you from the Bible. This really is, has been helpful as we walk through this idea, this perspective, if you'll get it, what has changed. So that's our title this morning is What's Changed? Because I want you to walk away going, Dax, I know what's changed, and here's what it is. Every person in this room who's going to heaven, something's changed. What is it? What would you say? Okay, so I, I want to um, talk first then about this assurance that we have that he starts with in chapter 3. And So if you want to look in your Bibles, we'll start with verse 1. This is Paul talking in Colossians. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, we could just, oh, precious believer, we could sit right here and, and, and just soak in the wonder of what this is saying. He's saying, right? He's saying, okay, okay, he does there in verse 1. He says, okay, if you've been raised with Christ, have you? That's what all of Colossians has been about so far. You have been raised with Christ. That, that, that just your, your very life is that you're associated with the death of Jesus, so your hope is, is that you're raised with Jesus, and it's a reality that's talked about in the past. If you have been raised with Christ, what's the answer? Yeah, I have. That's my hope. That's what Christianity is, is that I'm in Christ and I'm with him. And you, and me, and you, and you, and you, and all of us, here we are gathered around this idea that we have been raised in Christ, that our hope's in Christ. So if that's true, look at that, says Paul. Set your mind on that reality. Look where Jesus is, seated up there, he says, right? Seek the things that are above. He's not talking about seek um moral behaviors or works. He's saying, get your eyes on that reality of the resurrection of Jesus and him seated there and you're with him there and the things of God there is where your future lies. That's what your present's about. Is it true for you that you have put your trust in this, this Jesus? You say, yeah, I have. Okay, then your your life's up there, right? That's where your hope is, where my hope is, up there where we can't see, where our faith is, where where Jesus has been raised from the dead, and that's your promise that you have from him that you will be too. And then he makes this statement in verse 3, just as a fact, right? You've died, not I hope you die, not get working on dying, not... No, you have. The tense is particular. It's done. You've died. This is what becoming a Christian is, he's saying. You you, you turn from yourself. You die to your self-righteousness, your self-orientation, your self-justification, your self-gratification, and you turn to trust in Jesus. And so that's dying to you. And then your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's present tense. That's right now. That's ongoing. That's everything else. That's amazing. So if you have life, it's not in yourself. It's in Christ. This is our hope, right? The foundation, the base. When when Christ who is our life appears, he says in verse 4, then you also will appear with him in glory. Take it in. Just right here this morning, as you think, take it in that this is a statement of fact. When Christ, who is your life, appears and our hope is in him, when he appears, we're going to be with him in glory forever. It's fantastic. What what I used to hope in was on how well I did. Uh, Was I better relatively than other people? Was I good enough for God? Was I advancing? Was I taking steps forward? Because that's where the hope was, you see, in my advancement, in my betterment, in my presenting to God a picture of me getting better, that, that, that he would look on me and smile and say, that's my kid, Dax, he does so well. But that's not, I died to that, you see, and I'm over here thinking, oh man, Jesus did it all. My hope is in his good work, his death on a cross, his resurrection, his promise. This is the gospel. 
So you and I, we have this assurance, you see, that we could never have in ourselves because if it's on myself, I'm constantly evaluating whether or not I've done enough. But now I, I, I trust, I rest, I have hope in the finished work of Christ. This is my assurance, is that I know that Jesus has done it all. That, that's what he's doing with us as we start chapter 3, right? This is what he's telling you. You have a different hope. It's a different assurance. It's a different certainty. It's not the certainty that the world gives about look at yourself and see how you're doing. It's a certain hope of Jesus did it all. And, and so, so what's changed for you and me? It didn't say anything about I changed my behavior. At all. It said one thing right here that's changed. What is it? I've got a new hope. I used to hope in me. Now I hope in Jesus. I used to hope in getting better. Now I hope in the betterment that comes in the resurrection. I used to be over here. Now I'm over here. This is the change. That, that's what's going on. This is what Christianity 101, very foundational. We stand here. We live here. This is why we come to church. This is, this is it. And sometimes when the gospel's preached and we hear this message, we can have the wrong impression. The impression that preaching the certainty of the good news from a far country of hope outside ourselves, that means there's, there's nothing to do. I didn't say that, did he? I mean, like I just said, if that's what's changed is our hope, then something has really changed in you. What do I do with that? Where does that go? I'll tell you where it goes. If you have this hope with me, you see life differently. You will act in ways. Not that ways to try and earn God's favor anymore, but in ways to reflect the reality that something's changed. What's changed? My hope has changed. My hope has changed. And therefore, I get different actions. And that's where I want to focus in on you today with. If you get this change, that's all you need is the change. With the change, you'll see things differently. And, and therefore, there are things that you will walk. Let's look. Here's one. Unity in this new reality. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry on account of of these things, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too walked once when you were living in them. Okay, be careful with me, or you'll flip this around. Right? You have to stay in context. You'll, you'll flip this around to this is what I've got to do to stay, keep God happy with me, or to please God for me, or somehow that it's related to back into this other side of merit. That's what keeping God happy is, right? It's merit. Watch out, that's, that's not where he's going. The, the super important, all of this is therefore. Therefore, what's the therefore? Therefore, because of the change, because of the new heart that you have, the new hope that you have, the new perspective that's happened to you, that you've turned from yourself and your own works, and you've turned to Jesus. 
with this assurance, with this confidence, with this hope, then see this change that, that you get. Your eyes are open, and so if you stand with me, basking in the reality of the gospel, then look what you get to do. These are logical actions that connect to the gospel. That, that's what he's doing. He's, he basically takes, Paul, Paul does two examples, um, two main areas, and says, hey, let's, let's, let me show you for a moment what, what these two, how these go away. And then he's going to give some positives, which we probably won't get to. So let's at least look at these, these pieces. So put to death. Put to death? Yeah, it's pretty strong, huh? The interesting thing about, about what Paul's going to talk about here is that all of the things that he's going to talk about here, he puts in what's called aorist tense, which means do it. Not work on it little by little. Not slowly improve. What I want you to do now that you um, get the gospel, now that you've changed your perspective, now that you have this change, which is a new hope and a new assurance, and say now little by little, (laughs) no, he didn't say that. He says, because this is true, this is absolutely not true. Get rid of it. All of it. Now. Boom. Nuclear bomb. That's where he goes. Right? That's it. Put to death. Cast off once and for all. He's not saying grow into it or do it more and more. Hey, hey. With this new perspective, you see you as dead. That's what becoming a Christian is, right? You died and your life is hidden in Christ. There's this idea that my working on me, my connecting for me, my self-righteousness, my self-justification, my self-orientation, my self-gratification, all those self things. That's what I die to. <laughs> So if you died to them, make them dead. Be who you are, some people say. But but it's important that you see yourself as dead. When he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, he's not talking about sin in some sort of, like, like, like you got dirt on your hands. Hey, you guys, now that you have this new hope, scrub your hands really hard because you need to get the grime off and put to death that grimy stuff. No, no, no. The word there, if you look at it and look it up, it's actually body parts. Cut off your body parts. Get rid of the foot. Get rid of the arm. Get rid of the leg. It's that kind of thing because it's not like sin outside of you. It's this this concept of you growing you. You see you as dead. So your self-focus, your self-righteousness, your self-gratification, your own desires. And he gives these two examples. The first is around sexuality. That's what all of this first list that I just read you is. Put it off. And then he brings up the area of sexuality. Sexual immorality, which is gratifying yourself in sexuality outside of God's intent. Impurity, that's a sexual word again going after your own wants and desires outside of God's good plan. Passion, it's not just you, you need to be glum and boring and have no passion. No, passion is talking about inflamed with lust. He's talking about, again, sexuality, exulting in your own fulfillment. He's Evil desire, he's saying you lust after what God hasn't given you. Covetousness, he throws into, and in this sense, it almost has a sexual connotation of you want for you. The end of that is idolatry. 
Because you're worshiping who? Yourself. Right? Each of these is oriented on pleasing or gratifying or growing yourself. And I, we don't, it's not the point this morning to do a biblical lesson on sexuality, but biblical sexuality is always aimed at the other. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 7 or you look at Ephesians 5 or these beautiful pictures of marriage and the right way that God orients these things, it's always towards pleasing another person. It's never towards exalting yourself. It's not the point. And yet what we slip into and what society slips into and what we can say, oh man, what we want to do is we want to build up ourselves or after experiences for ourselves and, and gratification for ourselves and who's at the center of everything in my life? Me. How is that incompatible with your new hope, says Paul? That your only hope is outside of you. So so you see his flavor, his heart? It's not, well, I'm giving you the new Ten Commandments, and these are the things that are going to keep you right with God. One, two, three, four, five, and six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, he says, hey, now that you're changed, change has already happened. This is post-change. What changed? I put my trust in Jesus. My eyes are open to the wonder of what he's done for me, totally outside of me. So so therefore, say if you want something to do, yeah, he, look, it's logically true, isn't it? Isn't it logically true that you shouldn't exult in yourself? Uh, oh, oh, oh yeah, I guess that's right. Darn tootin' it's right. That's what it is. You also need to see there's no question, and, and the, the flow all the way through here is going to be, there's no mistake that these things impact your fellow believer. They defraud somebody else, almost always. We stop wanting to take what is someone else's, you see, because I've been, I've been fulfilled in Christ. He's my everything, and, and he's in you too. And so we're now something different, and it's not about me getting me bigger. It's about us receiving from God the wondrous gift of Jesus. Jesus has everything for us. It's because of these things, it says on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Whoa. On the one hand, I think, wow, that's really true, isn't it? That, that the self-orientation of the world, the, the idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn my own way, the, the self-righteousness that comes thereby, the orientation to say it's about me, 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 me. The wrath of God comes on that. But the most remarkable thing is, you've escaped it. You've escaped it without actually putting to death these things. Why am I saying that? Because he's commanding you after, as a Christian. What does that mean? He thinks you need it. Which means what? We continue to struggle. We have escaped the wrath of God, even though my behavior can be in these lines, and then I see the command, and I go, oh, yes, I need to put it to death. That implies I haven't already done it in some very real way, because he's having to, why would he have to say it otherwise? When I have a pristine, clean room, my mom never came in and said, Dax, clean your room. And, and so in this idea that we're not who we should be, we're not who we ought to be, comes this reality. You have escaped. It's a done deal. It's so strong that it says when Christ who is our life appears, you'll appear with him in glory. So we're in this tension of we have already escaped. 
So that makes this a logical connection. That you and I say, hey, I want to make my life look like the, the, the reality that's already happened. There's one thing. In these you also so walked when you were living in them. We all were self-oriented, all of us. It keeps us compassionate. It keeps us soft. But now you must put them all off, says Paul. He keeps going. He keeps going. Uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. So he gives us a second group example. Starts to get harder for me. I don't know about you. Way easier if to make a logical connection between watch out for sexual morality because I, I get that easy. In fact, the society we live in, even most people, they realize some of that at least. But anger? Any coarse speaking? Put it off again, oh, once for all. Not work on getting it off, not slowly get it off, not over time improve in getting it off. It's just, if you are a Christian, the logical flow is that they're, they're not compatible. This stuff doesn't work. It doesn't flow from your hope. Anger, right? What's anger? Well, it's easier to display it than to talk about it. It's, it's frustration that kind of starts to dig, right? Why do you have anger? Why are you angry? Why are people angry around you? It, it's normally a control issue. Normally other people aren't doing what they should be doing in your estimation. Whether it's your children and they ought to know better, but there they go, they're doing that again. I've told you 20 times not to do that. What are you doing? That's my example of anger was okay. You know, you know when the, I don't know, when the person cuts in front of you on the street and you yell at them or you tailgate them for half a block or, Whatever that might be. That's frustration. Why? Because they shouldn't have cut you off. At least they should be going faster than they are. Why are they going 20 in a 25 zone? Of course, then the police pulls you over. You don't feel anger. Then you feel fear. My heart starts racing. Then I see it's Bill Medlin. Bless you, brother. We'll cut that out of the tape. My fears go away because it's a fellow lover of Jesus. But the reality is, right, is this anger and frustration. They're about the same trouble that we get into with, with, with our new hope. If your new hope is Jesus totally outside of you, why do you mean, why, why is it about you? And these things that we speak, we try and tear each other down, control each other, and, and have this sort of sense that I know better. And what happens with that? Anger. And the explosion of anger that's wrath. Malice, where I actually am against you. I'm tearing you down. Why would I do that? Because I need to build me up. It feels kind of good, actually. Hey, did you hear about that person? Can you believe they're doing that? What's the implication? I'll never do that. I'll never fall into that sin. And slander, that's where it's even, it's even saying something that's not true about somebody else. Why do you tear them down? So that I feel lifted up. Why did I turn down? So I feel like I'm better. That died, you see. If the change, the change isn't that. You still do that. The change is you have a new hope. What's your new hope? Jesus, who's totally outside of you and me. Therefore, says Paul, if it's true, you can act in these ways. You can put off these things that otherwise you'd be tempted to go into. Why would you be tempted to go into things like slander and malice and anger? 
because I need me to be stronger and bigger and better. And the gospel says you're not stronger and bigger and better. Jesus is. You trust him. And so Paul is making logical, logical links to the things we do in light of this new, this new perspective that we have. If your hope is in Christ like mine is, if your life is in Christ like mine is, if this is where your trust is with me, then, then it, it isn't you to do these things. It isn't where your hope is. You're playing around in the mud. You see that these aren't duties. You have a duty now, Christian. Now that you have done this, the Lord requires you to do this. That's not Paul's flavor here. He's saying, because the gospel's true, because you've changed, because your life is in Christ, oh, look at this. These lines go this way. You put this dead stuff off because it's dead. You died. All your stuff is dead. Why live in that any longer? Come, live in the hope that you have gets better don't lie to one another he says in verse 9 seeing that you've put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator i said gets better because if you start to understand this you start to understand what he's saying he he says that you have put off the old this is not a call to put on the, the new self this is a statement that you've done it how did i do it well, what changed? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I repented of my sin and I, I put my trust in Jesus. That's the change. That's the putting off the old self with its practices and putting on the new self. Because it's not about sin per se. It's about self-salvation. And now you've got a new self. What's your new self? Trusting in Jesus. That's been done. You don't do that again in Colossians. Have been done. And it's a thing that's already happened to you if you put your trust in Christ. But if you have, why would you lie to one another? There's something not to do. Think about it with me for a minute, would you? Why is he saying that? What is our new hope have to do with not lying to one another. Well, here's what I would ask you to consider. A reality that we, with words and deeds, lie to each other all the time. About what? About ourselves. I put forth an image of me that is stronger and better and more put together than is true. I do it all the time. I do it with people because I want them to like me, to think well of me, to exalt me, to whatever it is that I have in myself, that I actually think that by presenting a picture of me, that's not true. That somehow, it'll be better for me. <laughs> what, a, what a load of something bad. We do that. What do I mean? I mean that, okay, so instead of confessing my sin to you, instead of being transparent, I, I deceive. Because that's what lying is, right? It's deception. It's usually not the sin that's the worst. Usually you know, and we've talked about this before in our, in our services as we've gone through the Bible, it's usually not the sin that's bad. Hey, everybody sins. Everybody falls down. Everybody stumbles. In fact, if you don't stumble, the Bible says you're, oh, you are a liar if you say you don't sin. That's what lying is. It's saying you don't sin. And yet, 
What happens is, is that we, on top of it, put this thing that says, oh no, I, I, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. In some sense, it's true because Jesus has covered all your sins. That's just fine. But you've got to realize when you do that, the image you're giving someone is that you don't sin. You're not giving the image of, well, I'm fine because I'm a crubby, horrible person and I yelled at my wife this morning and I kicked my kid out of the house because I just couldn't stand his face anymore and I barely made it through work and I, I, I watched the time click and I didn't actually do any work because I was just so eager to get to my own fun. And now I feel really guilty about all that stuff. And he says, well, you don't do that every time. But when I say I'm fine, what I'm actually saying to someone is none of that stuff happened. I was a saint to my wife. My child exalts me with good purpose. And boy, my employer just thinks I work so hard. They wish they had 10,000 of me. I'm doing great. Who am I? I'm a liar. Why am I doing that? At some level, I do it because I want you to think that I actually am that person. But what Paul's saying is, wait, 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 wait. You aren't that person. The whole hope that you have is that you, self-exalted, doing well, have it all together. Boy, you know what? I, I don't know why I'm not an elder yet. Look at my list of qualifications. Woohoo! You should see the reality of a dark heart that has one hope. What's the hope? Jesus Christ. That's where my hope is, and my hope is in place there, so there I live, and there is my, so that, that's it. So don't lie to one another, because I've put off my old self with its practices. That's all dead to me. I still fall into it, you guys. It's called a tar pit, and I slip in. You know what I really need? I really need my brothers and sisters to help me out. You know what prevents that from happening? I tell my brothers and sisters I'm not in a tar pit. All doing great around here, tar's up to my neck. Just doing fantastic, going over my chin. Go blub, blub, blub. Now I can't even talk because I'm so caught in my sin and this whole time I've doubled down with what's called deception. Don't lie to one another. What's that mean? It means my hope is actually in Christ. It makes total sense if you're in Christ because you can't hurt me. If I share with you my sin, do you know what your reaction needs to be? Jesus Christ did what for that sin? He paid for it. He paid for every sin you'll ever have. You lying about the sin that you have, you lying about the person you are, you covering up the person that you actually are, is denying the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. Don't lie to one another. Why? Because you've already put it all away, you guys. It's gun and done. How did you put it all away? You put your trust in Jesus Christ. Something's changed. What's changed? Well, I'd never sin anymore. No, 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 that's not changed. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's changed? My hope has changed. Live it, says Paul. That's that's it. Okay. You know what the world thinks, right? You know the world thinks that Christians are a bunch of do-gooders who come into church to encourage one another to do good, and then they leave. And so they look at you and they see hypocrisy. Why do they see hypocrisy? Because you're not good enough. That's not the message of Christianity even a little bit, is it? The message of Christianity is we come into this service, into this place to worship our Savior because our hope has changed. It's not in our good works or the things we do. It's in Christ. 
Now, because it's in Christ and because I see things differently, I start to do different things. But it's not like, oh, here's a new list of keep God happy with you. It's a because God has done these things, it is logical and right that this is now your life, that that's where we're going today. And and that's why if you're not here and you think, oh no, this is new commands from Paul and we take these imperatives out of context and we put them and we mush them around, we try, no, 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 then you have no reason for why he ends this way in verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. See what he's doing. You see as you flow through and say, hey, a reaffirmation for you and me that we are on the same ground. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if, if your circumstances are different. We have rich people and poor people. We have slaves and free. We have people who are barbarians and, and, and not. We have Greeks and Jews, people who want the regulations and people who, who don't. And we have people who are logical thinkers and people who All of it doesn't matter. There's not distinction that way anymore, is there? There's one distinction. Do you have the change? What's the change again? Hope in Jesus. A new hope. And and so this is what Christian growth is going to be. Maturity and dependence and seeing that Jesus is everything. Letting that rule how we see life itself. Because our life is in him and not ourselves. We love indiscriminately. How could we love indiscriminately? There's only one way. It's that I see that my, my hope is outside me. You have no merit in yourself at all. Okay, I want to end on that. We won't get to the good stuff in terms of the positives. I'm sorry to be on the negatives today, but that's where our text is. And he's making these links for us, but I want to say two more things. One is this. Sometimes you and I, we act like, we act like what Christians really want is to do all this stuff. We go around. We go around going, you know, Christians are like, I really want to covet. I really want to slander. I really want to speak obscenely. And and we're like, what 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 people were like, oh bummer, I've got to put these things away. How terrible I've got to flee sexual immorality. You know sexual immorality is terrible for you? You know, anger, I've I've never met anyone, maybe you have, who really struggles with anger, who's like, after they explode in wrath, afterwards they go, I'm so glad I'm angry. Mostly people are guilty. Someone in my family who was angry a lot, and boy, some of the sweetest times we ever had were the few days after the anger. Because he's trying to make up for it. I guess what I'm, I'm wanting you to see is that it, it, it's like the, the main end of the Christian life. It's not these behaviors, nor do we think that, oh, yeah, our job is to make sure people know. People know. Our job is to put the emphasis of change on the right spot. The change is the new hope you have. Out of that new hope will come these things. Not what you really need to do is control these pieces because if you do that, you're putting them right back under the system that they are having trouble with already, which is their want to control. The way to change is not to get more control for yourself. The way to change is to put your hope in Christ. 
So when you see somebody and they struggle with that, you need to reaffirm and push them towards their hope in Christ, right? That's what will help them actually get towards less anger, less wrath, less obscenity, less slander, less sexual morality, less, less impurity, less of those things. It's to be more understanding of Christ. Which is why, which is why the, the passage said, hey, that you're being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator, of what he's done, of who he is. These things continue to describe us as the other piece. It's really important that you see this. These things, we're to put them to death. But, but the reason he's giving that statement is he wants you to make the link because you continue to struggle. And you will your whole life, not with all of them. Some of them are not hard for it, for us, but, but hard for others. And some are hard for us and not for others. But these ideas that we have areas that aren't linked to the, are, are, are part of us. It continues to humble us and that we see the beauty and we long for it and we don't attain to it. But when Christ who is my life appears, it's all going away, isn't it? This is my hope. So it's all tied up in the same process. You can desire these things and not attain them. You can see the wonder of how this works and how it should be. I'll tell you why this is important before it is. It's just really short. When I was younger, I was part of a megachurch. And I helped serve there. And one of the areas I served in was baptism. And in this church, in order to be baptized, you had to do a testimony. And so I was coaching people in their testimony, but I was, I was told, this is how you have to do it. We had a form. You had to write how terrible you were before Christ and all your sin, and that's great. People had amazing things. You had to write about the actual day or moment when you put your faith and trust in Christ. And then you had to put the statements of all the things that had changed now that you were in Christ. And until you had that package, you couldn't get baptized. We had people rewrite things. We had people searching for what God had changed in their life and those things, right? And, and there were some wonderful testimonies. And here's my hope for you, that your testimony sounds like that, that you can say, here I was, and I put my faith in Christ. And look at the wonder of the Spirit in me developing all these great things. But the problem with that is that we can be wrong about the change. Because the change is that you put your trust in Jesus. Do you see the fruit of it yet? I don't know. You might struggle a long time. And if you make it about you being a better you, you're putting yourself back over under what actually is not your hope, which is what? Christ alone. So here's what I'm telling you. Walk away today knowing what's changed for you. It is not now that you are more moral than you were before, although I hope you are. It is not that you are less likely to fall into anger than you've ever been before, though I hope that's true. Neither of those are promised. Here's what's promised. Jesus Christ is yours. And when he comes, you will appear with him in glory. That's an amazing truth. And that hope from yourself to Jesus, is what's changed. And if you will hold on to that, good things will come out of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. And Lord, there's so much more to talk about. It's just, Father, I pray that the work of your spirit in us might be towards you. You might help this body, our family, grow in maturity of trusting you, of having our hope more fully, more dependently in Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you for the gospel, the good news that's outside of us. And Lord, I pray we would see how it influences how we live, the things that we do, the actions we take. Not in order to be yours, but Father, because we are. Thank you that we are. We put our trust in Jesus. It's in his name we pray.